And as I pray for this time, I want to pray also for Nathan Strand and uh, his father, Don Strand, and mother and sister, Martha. Um, About two weeks ago, Nathan's dad found out that uh, he has cancer, uh, pancreatic cancer, and has spread in some other areas. And they're doing tests, I think, this week uh, to find out more details. Um, But we want to lift them up. In prayer. Our Father in heaven, Lord, we rejoice with Ruth and family. Lord, you're a powerful God and you're able to do all things. We pray, Lord, for Ruth and for Robert and for Reuben and Raina, Lord, that you would continue to just watch over them and encourage them. And Lord, may the kids go up just loving you and seeing how you've worked in their lives. Father, I think of Mr. Strand, and I thank you for he and Mrs. Strand and how they've committed their lives to you and have been missionaries for all these years. Now, Father, we pray for them now that in the midst of, of this time when they have discovered the cancer, Lord, that you would be with them, you'd be their strength. Father, that in the midst of this, that they would have your rest and your peace. Our Father, we ask for the doctors that you would give them uh, wisdom as they look at options and possibilities. We pray, Father, that that in the midst of everything, that he will not have the, the pain that sometimes is there. Father, I pray for Nathan. I know it's hard to be away from family when uh, there's cancer or any kind of illness. And so I pray for him that in the midst of this, that your hand would rest upon him and give him your special grace and peace. And I pray for Martha as she is there close by mom and dad, that you would give her strength and grace to do the additional things that, that need to be done. Father, as we look at your word today, as we look at this Psalm 139, such a powerful, powerful psalm, Father, filled with so much doctrine and theology about you, Father. We ask that your spirit would work in our hearts, that you would use me, Lord, to communicate your word and give us hearts, God, to hear your word and to apply it to our lives. We pray this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Growing up in Alabama, I was from a large family. There were six boys and two girls. And to be honest with you, as I grew up, I began to think, and I even asked my parents if I was adopted and they didn't tell me. Because I was very different. My brothers loved hunting. Sometimes they'd go hunting at night and go um, hunting for raccoons or possums. I remember one time they sent me up the tree because I was the youngest and blood was dropping down from the, the, the dead raccoon. They loved race cars. They loved putting engines together. I'd go hunting with them and I just didn't have that thrill that they had. Sometimes they had what's called drag races and and, and I'd go to that and boy, they loved it. Boy, again, I didn't see too much to be excited about.
they love to stick around the house, around the farm, and and uh, well, I love going places. I love getting out and interacting with people and doing things. Uh, I love running. I love to read. I loved. I love school. My brothers didn't love school. They loved to learn. They learned about engines and how to put them together. They learned about cows and farming and welding. They loved it. I remember as a little boy, I knew I should go to church. My family weren't believers. But I remember I would go, sometimes my sister or twin brother might go along with me, but I would most often go by myself. So I grew up thinking I'm so different. And I felt sometimes maybe, maybe I don't have the value that they have because within this community and culture I was so very, very different. Went off to university and I realized that uh, school about an hour, hour and a half away from home that I wasn't so different from those people there. My oldest brother um, developed a company and just did extremely well, very, very, very well. He was an industrial contractor and down south there are paper mills and chemical plants and uh, they'd employ three, four, five thousand. My brother would go in and he would do industrial sandblasting and spray painting and he developed a, a huge business. And, I, and when I got out of college, I helped him uh, get that started. All my brothers worked with them and they were in various areas of management. So they, they did extremely well, but we were just extremely different, extremely different. I remember when I trusted Christ, I had worked for my brother, I left and gone to B.F. Goodrich uh, in Tuscaloosa and, and worked in management, and my brother asked me to come back and work with him. And I, I got back, and within two months, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Savior. I turned my life over to him. I headed off to, to Bible College within a year in Birmingham, Alabama, and then went on to Talbot Seminary in the suburb of, of L.A. And began to realize that God made me different for a reason. I've been here in Chicago for 27, 28 years. Now, can you imagine if I loved farming and welding and putting engines together and rural life, it had been a tough, hard 27 or 28 years. I realize now that God created me different for a purpose and for a reason. Because see, all my family still live in the surrounding area of Surgeoner and Dixon Mills, Alabama. Probably no more than 20 minutes apart. They're all there. And they all have all worked together all these years. But for me, God had his hand in my life, and he had a different purpose for me. And Psalm 39 is, is a passage I've loved, and I've loved it because it was in these next six verses that we look at that God used to show me that I wasn't in some way inferior or in some way wrong because I was different. Last week, we looked at the first 12 verses of Psalm 139, and we saw how the psalmist David um, acknowledged that God knew everything about him. He knew his thoughts. He knew the words that came out. He knew uh, his intentions and plans, every action. Then as he thought about it, he realized that God's 
wisdom and knowledge about him hemmed him in. We talked about how sometimes in our life that God hems us in as he works in our lives. And then the psalmist asked a question, where can I go from you to get away from you? If I go the highest heavens or the lowest uh, depths, you're there. If I go east or west, you're there. And he even talked about trying to hide from God and he could not do that. And then we'll come today to, to the, the next six verses which are tied in with that. If you will, let's look in our Bibles again at the first first four verses, beginning with verse 13. For you formed, or the NIV says, you created my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, or embryo, and in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one. We see that the verse begins with four, based on your translation, because. And we're going to see in these first six verses that God knew all about the psalmist because he created him. He created his personality. He created his physical body. And we'll see that he even created his lifespan. So we look at the passage there first in, in verse 13. It says, God says, uh, or rather, David says that God formed him or created him. And this word means literally to weave or to knit together. Now, I don't knit, but I've watched women who do. It's a very detailed thing. And it, and it uh, requires a lot of attention. And David says that God weaved or knit his body together. It, it communicates uniqueness. It communicates attention to detail. Each person today is unique. Individually woven together. Intricate details. Set apart is another key word there as we'll look at that, those passages there. Verse 14 says, in the ESV it says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. If you have your ESV, look down at the bottom. If you have your ESV, and it says um, in a footnote, for I am fearfully set apart. So another way of translating this is, um, I praise you for I am fearfully set apart. I am fearfully set apart. And that root word for wonderful is the same thing for to separate or to distinguish or to set apart. One guy translated, I was set apart awesomely. I was set apart awesomely. Each person here today is unique. Each of us have been set apart by God for purpose for a plan. When verses 13 through 16, we see that God creates first unique personalities or temperament, a unique physical body, and a specific span of life. Let's look at these. For you formed my inward parts. The word inward parts carries with it 
that uh, is literally the word kidney. And it carries with the idea of passion. It says, God created my inmost being, my passion, my personality, who I am. Those of you who have kids, you know it's so amazing to see the different personalities and temperaments that come uh, from the same mom and dad, night and day. God created us. He gave us our personality, our temperament, our passion. What drives you this morning? What motivates you? God gave you a particular bent, a passion for life. Are you motivated by adventure? If you are, you might well be a firefighter. You might have served in armed services. You might be a police officer. Do you like to teach? God gave you that desire. Some of you love to teach small children. Others say, oh no, I can't do that. Give me those teenagers. I love working with them. Of course, there are some who say, I'm not able to work with those teenagers, but give me the adults, and I'll disciple them, and I'll teach them, and I'll train them. You see, God created us. He gave us our personality. He gave us the passion that we have in life. Even down to the unique way in which we do it. Maybe you're a teacher and you love to teach in the church. Teaching small kids. Teaching in Awana. Teaching in uh, working with Robert with the youth or adult learning. God gave us our personalities. He gave us that inner passion that we have. God in his sovereignty has a plan for your life and for my life. Well secondly, this passage says that God created our outward frame. And the word frame there carries with it the idea of bone, skeleton, uh, bodily frame. And again we see that, that word in 15 that was in 13. Woven or knitted together, embroidered. As I look around here, I see a lot of different personalities, different sex, male, female, different skin colors, different features, different sizes, noses, ears, facial features. God made us. And he says in verse 14, he says, I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Our, our bodies are amazing. In every 24-hour period, the average person swallows 2,000 times. Our heart beats over 100,000 times daily to move blood. 168 million miles within our bodies. We take about 23,800 breaths a day to bring 438 cubic feet of air to our lungs. I could go on and on, but our bodies are a miracle. Sometimes we take them for granted. Sometimes in the midst of, of life we fail to see what we've got. Can you say with David that you're fearfully and wonderfully made? Can you? Can you say, can you look in the mirror and say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made? Some of you are going to say, I know you, I know you. You're going to say, 
I remember looking in 1 Samuel, and it says that David was a man of handsome features and good looks. Another version says he had handsome eyes. It's easy for David to say, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. But what about me? I do well just to be ordinary. And besides, David was an athlete. David was skilled in war tactics. David was a musician. David could dance. I can't do any of them. But you know, Isaiah 53 says that there was nothing in Jesus that would have attracted us to him bodily. David praised God not because he was handsome or skilled. David praised God because he was fearfully and wonderfully made. If we have difficulty accepting who we are and how God made us, then we've got a problem with God. And let's be honest, we all do. You look at me and you see now I'm kind of white. I even had a, a girl in ICI who was a white girl and she said, Well, what's wrong with your hands? You're, you're white. I go to the beach, I promise you, without failure, every year I go to the beach and I try hard to get some sun. I may stay out in the sun twice as long as Chris. Every time we get back, what did the ladies say to Chris? Chris, you're so dark. You got a nice tan. Then they look at me and say, Ralph, did you go? <laughs> I say, Lord, why? Why? You know, I grew up with two brothers. My, my mom was part Choctaw Indian. And my dad was Irish. Okay, guess where I got my features from? Okay, my brothers, nice, dark, tan. We worked outside all the time. They looked good. They were copper tone. I was red. I was red. And then, and then God moved me from Alabama to work with whom? Puerto Ricans. Okay, God made us. He made each of us uniquely. And we got a problem with how he made us. We got a problem with God. You're special. You're set apart. You're unique. God has a plan for you. He loves you. Now on the other hand, if you're one of those guys or ladies that have all the good looks, and so bright and so intelligent, and such great athletic skills, Remember, don't let pride enter into your life. 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says, For who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Well, we sing first that God created us. He created our innermost being, our personality, our passion, the man or the woman who we, that makes us up, who we are. He created our body, our physical size, and our height today is because God created us 
at that height. I don't know where Margie is today, but you know, a lot of people give Margie a hard time because she's just a little bit under five feet. Okay. Then there are others who are six foot four and six foot five. But God made us. He created our passion. He gave us our bodies. And now we're going to see that God ordained our life. He, he planned the days of our life. Look at me, look with me at verse 16. It says, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. Yeah. Do you guys, you read that well? Did you read it? One more time. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. And in your book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there were none. You see, we're not accidents in how God made us. And as Ruth alluded to earlier, God has a plan for our lives. Sometimes it includes cancer. Sometimes it includes failures on our part. Or whatever, but God takes whatever comes in our life, and, we, and I think that it's, it's clearly here that God foreordains into our life things, and and He's in charge of our lives. He's in, He's in charge of Good News Bible Church. Well, there are many places that state that our lives are in in God's hands, and Job fourteen five says, "Man's days are determined. You have decreed the number of." of his months and you have set limits he cannot exceed and Psalm 31 15 says my times are in your hands my times are in your hands you notice that in that passage it says that that um, these days are written in a book and uh, this just is a picture of God's eternal purposes and plans. He has a purpose and plan uh, for the universe in general but for each of our lives. And it says though in, in this passage that before you and I were born before David was born all the days of his life and our lives were written in a book. God is not surprised God is not shocked about anything that comes our way. By the way, I received a note last week from a lady, dear friend here, after I had mentioned up front about coffee and how God wouldn't be surprised if I changed restaurants. She wrote me a note and jokingly said, Ralph, I think if you got up one morning and had tea, that God would be surprised. <laughs> because she knows I love coffee. But you know, no matter what happens in our lives, God is not surprised because he has ordained, laid out the days that we have. And there's a sense in this passage that our shaping and formation, our, our shaping and, our, and creation, uh, there is that who we are in our lifespan is all laid out there. 
It doesn't mean that we can't can't do things. I mean, we're not robots. Please know that. Environment, environmental uh, issues affect us. We make decisions. Real decisions. They have consequences. So please know that I'm not saying that we're robots. We have choices. We can choose to walk with God. Or we can choose to go our own way. But we have choices. Leviticus 20 verse 7 says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I'm the Lord your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am the Lord who makes you holy. In this little verse, we see that God says to the Israelites, Consecrate yourselves to me. Okay? Be holy. Keep these decrees, keep these commandments, follow them. We have responsibility. We make decisions. But he also says, this is what I love, be holy because I am holy and I'm the one who makes you holy. He's always working in our lives. Philippians 2, 12 and 13 says, continue to work out your salvation, not work for it, but work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act according to his commandments. God is in control. God is in control today with Good News Bible Church. As we go through a transition, Pastor Wayne was here for 30 years. There are fears and there are questions and there's excitement at the same time about what God can do. God is sovereign. God is in control. He has a plan. We don't know it. Just like I didn't know back when I was living in Alabama and was so different. I had no idea as a 12-year-old or even as a 20-year-old what God was doing in my life and what he had for me. Sometimes we can't see what God is doing when things don't seem to be going just right. God created David. He formed his personality. He gave him his physical body. He ordained the days of his life. Then in verses 17 and 18, he expresses awe to Yahweh. That Yahweh knows so much about him and has all these plans and laid out in days for him. Let's look then at verses uh, 17 and 18. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I could count them, they're more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. How precious are your thoughts to me, O oh God. This word here, precious, you know, sometimes we hear women, I hear women, when a little baby is born, you know, and they say, oh, how precious. You know, that's nice. The word precious here doesn't necessarily mean precious in that sense. Precious here carries with it the idea of of value, of, 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 of having importance and weight. And, and so one person has translated this passage, so for me, how formidable were your intentions for me? How formidable were your plans for me? And so the psalmist David says, I can't believe your plans for me. You have plans for me. 
how mighty was the sum of them. Well, last week we, we looked in verse uh, 2 and we talked about the fact that God discerned David's thoughts from afar. And I talked about the fact that it wasn't, you know, transcendent God looking down from heaven and seeing David, but rather it's that idea that before time that God had a purpose and plan. And, and it said that, you know, David acknowledged that that God knew his thoughts. In verse 17, we see that God has thoughts for you. And God has thoughts for me. Intentions for each of us. Think about it. Before you were born, God had a purpose and plan for you. He didn't just create you with certain gifts and abilities. He made you a certain way because he had a certain plan for your life. And for, and, and for David, God knew that he was going to be a shepherd for a time period. He knew that eventually that he would be king and rule over, over Israel. And I'm just reminded of the passage um, that, that um, Paul, Apostle Paul mentions in, uh, when he's speaking to the, to, uh, the Athenians in Athens. Acts 17.26 From one man... From one man, he made every nation. He determined the times set for them and the exact places they should live. From one man, God created the nations and he set times for them and determined the exact places where you would live. See, before I was born, even though God's plan was for me to, to be born in Alabama, he had planned for me to live in Chicago for at least 27, 28 years. God has a plan. He's not caught off guard by anything that happens in our lives. He's not caught off guard by anything that happens within Good News Bible Church. Because in advance, he has already set in place even where we should live. God knew David. He knows you. He knows me. There's a phrase in verse 18 that I want to just touch on. It says, I awake and I am still with you. I awake and I'm still with you. And there are three, three, three views of this. Some say, when you awake from sleep, you're still with me, God. Or David could be saying, when I awake from meditating on you, you're still with me. Third option is when I wake in heaven after the resurrection. And that works well too. Think about it. This God that we looked at last week, who knew everything about David, whom David could not escape from or hide from, this God who created him, who was with him, who watched, observed his creation, and walked with him through life, is with him. In eternity. What a powerful picture of God's sovereignty and watch, care, and control over us. Two examples of how God um, had plans for people's life. In Jeremiah chapter 1, the prophet says, <clears throat> Before I formed you in the womb, this is God speaking, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you 
a prophet to the nations. And then I, being Jeremiah, says, Oh Lord, behold, you know how I speak. From only a youth. I don't know how. But the Lord said to him, Do not say that I'm only a youth. For to all to whom I send you, you shall go. And wherever I command you, you shall speak. Don't be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, declares the Lord. So Jeremiah said, he's not like Moses. Lord, I, I can't speak. Do you notice the words there? He says, where I send you, you will go. And you will speak what I say. God had a plan for Jeremiah also. Before he was formed, he knew him and set him apart. The Apostle Paul in Galatians 1.15 says, but he who had set me apart before I was born and called me by his grace in order that I might preach among the Gentiles. Again, God had a plan for Paul beforehand. He set him apart. He's done the same for us in our own lives. Each of us were created for a purpose. Each of us set apart from the beginning Remember, God created you. Well, the psalm moves on, and, and after going through 18 verses, looking at how David knew that God knew, knew him, knew his every thoughts, knew he could not escape or hide from God, expresses the fact that God created him, his personality, his physical body, his life. Then it moves to these 19 through 24 verses. You notice a while ago they didn't, uh, that video didn't show that. That's not unusual. Because sometimes it's a shock. When you look at it, there's this, you know, these 18 verses that give praise to God for who He is and how wonderful He is and how He's made us, He knows us. And then shock, surprise. Let's look at verses 19 through 24. Let's look at 19 through 23 first. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. O men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord? Do I not loathe those who, loathe, who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Boy, this guy who's been pra this man who's been praising God all of a sudden says, "Kill him, God! I hate him! I hate him three times there." This prayer, this was called an imprecatory prayer, and there are several, six or eight at least, in in uh, Psalms. And and really, what they do is is kind of calling out judgment. You can hear different things in different ways, but John Piper and others have said that pretty much that it's a foreshadowing of judgment to come. So if we sit and haven't made our, gotten our hearts right with God, that there is a judgment coming. And, 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 and when you hear or see the word hate or to hate, 
it's not an expression of personal animosity. You know, sometimes we may hate somebody because they have hurt us or whatever, and we have to deal with that and get right with God on that and, and forgive. But is is David is speaking here? He's not. There's not personal animosity. It's a hate for evil. Look around our culture today. And we can see things that are going on. And we hate them. Psalm 26, 5 says, I hate the, the psalmist says, I hate the assembly of the evildoers. I will not sit with the wicked. See, I hate the assembly of evildoers. And I will not sit with the wicked. Psalm 101, 3, I will not set before my eyes anything that's worthless. I hate the work of those who fall away. I shall not cling to them. These people that, that David was talking about were hypocrites. We don't know necessarily exactly what they were doing. We know they were breaking God's commandments. They were using God's name for false and wicked purposes. And they may even have been people who were religious we can look around today in our culture, right? We can see people who, who are religious and they talk about God. But they do some evil things. And David says, I hate that. If you notice, it never, Paul, um, Paul, David never says until the very end that they're his enemies. At the very end, after he's gone through this whole process, then he says, I count them as enemies. I count them as enemies. And what he was saying in this whole passage here is he's saying, I reject these men and that evil lifestyle. I reject the profit that I could have. I reject the benefits of hanging with these people. I reject everything about that. No association. And then he finally says, I count them as my enemies. After rejecting these people, David, in verses 23 and 24, invites God to test and to lead him. Verse 23, 24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me. And know my thoughts, and see if there is any grievous way in my in me, and lead me into everlasting life. David uses the same verse he used in verse one, when it says, when he starts out with, "Search me, and know me." O oh Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. And, and last week we talked about the word "search." There is scrutiny; it's turning over every paper. If you're doing a legal case, it's leaving nothing undone. David invites God. To search him. To search his heart. To try him. He's submitting to God. Submitting his thoughts. Submitting his desires. Submitting his plans. One of our sons, when he was a little boy, two or three years old, developed a habit of saying, honest to God. He may come be excited telling us about something happening. He say, honest to God. Dad, honest to God, Mom. 
Then it got to where he used it all the time. And so when he had maybe gotten in trouble, we asked him a question, and he wouldn't respond well and would say, uh, call him by name, and say, honest to God. The little tyke, again, two or three years old, if he was telling the truth, he'd always say, honest to God. But he wasn't telling the truth. He'd run away. Or he'd sit still and not say a word. Are you, am I, are we honest to God? Are we honest to God? David was honest to God. He says, come, search me. Search my heart. Try me. See if there's an egregious way in me. Well, let's pray. Our Father in heaven, Lord, you are an awesome God. You have made us, each of us. You had us in mind before we were born. Father, you didn't randomly just select a genetic DNA that would make us. But Father, you lovingly fashioned and formed the DNA that makes up each of us. Father, help us to discover the man, the woman that you made us to be, or the teenager, or the child. Father, help us to develop into that man, or woman, or person. Oh, Father, you have created us uniquely and with a purpose. Father, help us now to open our hearts to you. Open all the closets in our lives, every room, every corner. Father, scrutinize our thoughts and examine our motives. And Father, show us if there's anything that brings pain to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Was the, as the band plays, think about allowing God to search your heart. Jesus.